0: let's do that hockey. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dauber Prospects Radio. I'm your host, still Peter Harling. This is going to be episode 116 and the march on going through the team's top 10 prospects continues. This episode is going to focus on the Florida Panthers, who, despite being one of the top teams in the league, has a pretty good prospect pool to talk about. Bringing in a support pinch hitter for this episode is the Dauber Prospects Florida Panthers prospect
1: expert, none other cool. than Ben
0: Geralds Ben, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's good to podcast. have a podcast.
0: first podcast. Well, uh, no one can see this, but I'm looking at you on our Zoom call here and you've got a pretty fancy mic. So you had me fooled. Uh, (laughs) Ben also does the Tampa Bay Lightning Prospects for Dauber Prospects and he writes the journey for Dauber as well. Uh, So he knows all about the Florida Prospects and fantasy hockey. So appreciate your time again, Ben. No problem. All right, so let's let's start talking Florida Panthers prospects. And I like to start off before we just dive into the players. I like to kind of do like a, an overview of of where the team's at. And as I mentioned off the top, the Florida Panthers are are one of the best teams in the league. They're a Stanley Cup contender. They've got a really nice young team that's that's one of the things i like about them I and mean, their their roster is dominated by the 2014 draft you've got ekblad reinhardt bennett who are one two and four i believe overall in that draft they've accumulated all those players uh they've got huberto barkov ekblad uh as uh, the core of the team with a really nice deep supporting cast uh they've got some some really nice prospects. And we were talking before I hit the record button about some of the guys who have come onto this roster kind of seemingly out of, out of nowhere and and made an impact. What do you, what do you think about some of those guys like um, Mason Marchment, for example?
1: Yeah, it was, it was really hard to read the situation for the Panthers, especially the prospects coming into the year. It seemed like there were just a number of players competing for not very many spots. Um, when, when Thornton was in the picture and they, they seemed really deep down the middle, um, Mason, Mar- Mason Marchman, I think he's a little bit older and um, he, he didn't seem to have too much fantasy appeal at all. I, I was kind of discounting him and he's come out of nowhere and he's having a fantastic season. Um, seems like he's getting really great chemistry with, um, in particular, Lundell and, and Reinhardt, which we can get into a little bit later with Lundell.
0: Yeah, I mean, all he's done is be a point a game player, which is pretty spectacular. Uh, He's 26 years old, he's undrafted. And, uh, you know, I I know him a little bit from his time with the Marlies. And, you know, he's just, uh, he's a late bloomer, I think is is safe to say. Uh, He's, he's a compete hard kind of player. And he's got a decent skill set that's just continued to get better and better season after season. And You know, when you're not drafted and you're signed as a free agent and you come out of the Ontario Hockey League, where he he played for a couple of seasons, he bounced around there too. He played 50 games for Erie, 30 games for Hamilton, and 27 games for Mississauga. Then he's playing for the Marlies and bounced between there and the the ECHL for his first season. And then he's just been getting more and more confident as he goes. Uh, But really, kind of a middling... AHL player you know he's like a half a point a game guy with the Mm Marlies in the American Hockey League and and he was there when the Marlies were uh Calder Cup contenders so they were a pretty deep team and and he was one of their 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 good but not best players and ever since he's gone to Florida he's just been kind of lights out good this season so good on him Uh, you never know when you're going to get one of those late bloomers has kind of come out of nowhere for you
1: yeah it's very reminiscent of what Carter Vahegi did last year yeah and for sure. also the the resurrection of sam bennett you know i don't know what this team is doing but they're really getting the most out of their players here
0: yes i could talk all day about sam bennett as as the, the diehards for this podcast will know i've been a big fan of his and i was really glad to see him come out of of calgary uh i like calgary a lot uh but he i just don't think he was being deployed accurately there and uh <clears throat> and absolutely it, yeah before he was traded he was in all kinds of trade rumors I remember posting on twitter that <clears throat> the Leafs should make an offer for him and they should offer Travis Dermott and a draft pick and see if that's enough to to get him and you always put yourself out there when you talk about trade rumors or suggestions on twitter people right. will, will pile on you and sure enough Leaf Nation really let me have it telling me how stupid I was and that I didn't know anything about <laughs> hockey <laughs> and that Travis Dermott's way better than um Sam Bennett and that why would the Leafs give up a draft pick on top of that that I don't know anything that I'm talking about but you know it looks like maybe maybe they could get like a do over on that if that was on the table that I'm sure I'm sure they would they would have a different opinion about it now so let's get back to talking about prospects for Florida Panthers here Um, I do my top 10 rankings for uh nhlrumors.com and uh in my Florida Panther rankings, uh, number one was a pretty easy one for me. Um, the second place guy was was pretty close, and uh, you know, I did this way earlier in the season, so right now, I think you I would probably reverse him a little bit because the one guy's a called her candidate and the other's in the American Hockey League. But my number one prospect, and I'm looking long term here, uh, is Spencer Knight. So I think Spencer Knight is is a well- known. Commodity and prospect circles. And I think most people classify him as the best or one of the best prospect goalies in the world right now. Uh, with the potential upside of being a all-star franchise number one goaltender. His junior record is spectacular. He's got some, some international achievements. He was dynamite in the NCAA and uh, you know he's he's almost supplanted Bobrovsky in the playoffs last year, coming in and and, and outgunning him in the in the postseason. And it's really hard to come into the goal uh, the NHL as a goalie at that young of an age, and even harder in the playoffs when the pressure is just through the roof. And and he bore it well, and he looked right at home there. So uh, I'd like to get your thoughts, Ben, real quick on um, on Spencer
1: Knight overall. Yeah, I mean it was obviously a head scratcher when they, when the Panthers drafted Knight and then went out and signed Bobrovsky to this massive contract. Right. So uh, I think that's a, that's a big, that's a key part here of trying to um, assess Knight's value for fantasy in particular is what's going on with Bobrovsky. Cause he seems to have finally figured it out. So it seems like this is probably as good a buy low window as you're ever going to have on Spencer Knight, because on paper this year, he doesn't look great you know, he, he's played 18 games. Um, he's got a 3.22 GAA and, uh, he's, he's under 900 save percentage. And in the AHL, he actually looks pretty much similar to those in eight games so far. So if, if there's some GM out there who, um, is feeling a little shaky on night, now would be the time to, to pounce on him. But like you said, he's, he really is in that elite tier of goalie prospects, you know, with Askarov and, and, uh, Wallstead and, and you know, those names come to mind. Um, so getting back to Bobrovsky for one sec, this is his third year in Florida now and all of his, all of his stats have improved year over year so far. Um, and he's, he's looking really great. He's looking more like the two-time Vezina winner that they, that they thought when they were signing him. Um, so the, the key will be how long is he going to be putting up stats like this? Um, so he's 33 now. Um, there's a couple, a couple people have done studies out there, which is kind of interesting. Um, this one uh, user, Garrick 16 at hockeygraphs.com. It's a little bit old now that the study was from 2014, but the conclusions were goalies don't improve as they get older. Uh, by age 30, goalie decline starts to get really noticeable. And by the mid thirties uh, goalies rapidly start to fall apart. So it's not the hugest Ouch. data set for this. But, um, Bobrovsky's 33, you know, so maybe he's got a couple more years of, of dominant, uh, play, um, according to historical precedent, but, um, it seems like he's going to be fighting, fighting the stats, basically fighting the aging curve here. Yeah. He's
0: 33 and he's got four more seasons after this one at 10 million a season. Uh, yeah. that is a monster contract um i was listening so, to an, another podcast um with my friend craig button and steve coulius and they're talking nhl trade rumors and they like jack uh jake Chikrim to florida they think he'd be a perfect fit there he's from florida uh so on and so forth and Coolius asked button would you do spencer knight for jacob chickram and button was like absolutely do you think the Florida Panthers would ever entertain the notion of trading Spencer Knight? Cause they're a cup contender. Now they've got a goalie in Bobrovsky who can, who can help them get that done. He could conceivably be considered to be an expendable asset. As long as you got something back that it's not a rental, right. And chicken's got a good contract with term on it. Um, so that might be a potential scenario. Would, would you entertain that notion if you were Florida
1: Panthers? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Cause you know, Knight's a former first rounder. He's, he's definitely a golden boy. Um, and they're in a really good situation. I mean, they, they, they have a situation where Bobrovsky can, as he starts to decline, he can mentor Knight and Knight can slowly start getting more starts without having all the pressure that he would have if if they had to turn to him now. But I mean, I do like, I do like some Jacob Chikrin, um, He's a, like you say, he's a young defender. He's easily number one. If you look at last year for Chikrin as representative of what he's capable of versus what's going on this year, I think he's he's a, a really strong defender. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Florida's pushing to win now, and they have a window of of at least a few years here, and Chikrin would probably help get them over the top more than Knight would. Um, I'm just not so sure if they have uh, – a viable backup behind Bobrovsky if something happened there.
0: Right. And if you're looking long-term down down the pipe in the crease, they traded away uh, Devin Levi to Buffalo in the um, Sam Reinhardt trade. So they gave up their, their other really good goalie prospects. And and so they didn't have really anything else uh, coming down the pipe in goal until they recently signed free agent um, Mac Guzda uh i'm not sure he's not in the same hemisphere (laughs) as uh as spencer knight and not even close uh but at least he's a he's a prospect he's you know he's only 21 years old so he's got that going for him all right so i had spencer knight number one on my list ahead of anton lundell and uh as the the months have gone by here spencer knights found his way back to the american hockey league which i don't have a problem with i think you know, he he needs to start. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a goalie, make a 10 million bucks and he's healthy and he's good, then you got to start him, man. Like con- contractually, you're obligated to do that. He's your veteran. You want to make sure that he's in good form in the playoffs. So I understand that. And Spencer Knight's getting the starts in the American Hockey League. So that works really well for me. And Anton Lundell has remained in the NHL and um, he's putting up points, man. He's looking good doing it, too. He's uh, what's he got? 40 points now or something to that effect.
1: Yeah. 60 point pace basically.
0: Right. And when he was drafted, he was considered to be a good two way, but more defensive forward, right? Like a a guy that would be a good number two, but a great number three center with, with offensive upside. Um, And then in his, his post draft year, he exploded offensively and started putting up points. Um, uh, So now I think he's, he's a legitimate, potential number one center and an amazing number two center, like absolutely great second line center. Um, do you, do you, would you rank them one, two, the way I have, or uh, would you kind of invert them a little bit?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess if you, if you, if you think about it, like uh like in tiers, they're definitely both top tier prospects at, at different positions. I think Lundell is uh yeah, he's, he's surprising everyone because he was drafted, like you say, as kind of a two way player um, and here he is at the top of the Cal- the Calder race, um, putting points on the board regularly. He's been very consistent. Um, interesting though, cause I looked into the, you know, the frozen tools deployment chart and he has the second worst relative course he for on the team, which is a little bit surprising. I know he's, I know he's a rookie, but, um, relative to his teammates, that, that strong defensive play, at least, at least for now is not, is not super showing up, um, but when you when you look at his line mates, uh, Lundell with Reinhardt and, and Mason Marchment, they are absolutely dominating play. Um, they have a they're at a sixty one percent coursey four right now, which is very impressive. Um, as to whether it's it's sustainable, it's uh, it's looking quite sustainable. Um, you know his individual points percentage is is looking good, as in he's he's involved um, in points when they're scored when he's on the ice um he's doing all this without getting too many offensive zone starts um and he uh i, I use hockey prospecting to just get an, an extra picture on on prospects and they have him ranked as an 81 chance of becoming a, a star uh which is basically scoring at a 57 point pace over his career so he's he's looking really good like i would put him up there in the top tier of Forward prospects right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So would you rank him higher than than Knight?
1: You go one uh, two. What's your one two? Yeah, I might. Uh, just given, I think if Bobrovsky had continued to struggle, Knight would probably um, be more important for the the organization. But I think the way Lundell has been playing, he's he's probably supplanted Knight at, for the number one spot. There you go. All right, so the
0: number three guy I have on my list is a uh, super-skilled Grigory Denisenko. Uh, this is his second season in North America. Um, you know, let's just say last season is, with the whole pandemic situation, he played 15 games in the American Hockey League and seven in the NHL. He had nine points with Syracuse and four points in seven games in the NHL. This season, uh, he's getting in, a regular full sort of season uh almost entirely in the american hockey league he's played 30 games and he's got 18 points so the points aren't aren't coming uh actually yeah that's pretty good man eight 20 points basically in in 30 games is is pretty good it's the defense that i think is is being a bit of a challenge for him to adapt to he's got the hands he's got the speed he's got the vision. Uh, he's got some holes in his defensive game. What's your overall assessment of, of Denisenko? And uh, let's let's talk about his his fantasy projection. How good can he be? How how reliable is his translation to the NHL? And how soon can do you think we can see him?
1: Yeah, he's he's such a tough read. Like when I first took over the Panthers and was having a look at at their prospects. He had been one obviously that I'd heard about for years and uh, he's at the top of their pipeline former first rounder um, but he is not looking great at least at least stats wise um, he uh, I mean the, his one game with the Panthers this year you could see the sort of denisenko flare that people that people are interested in um, he sort of cut to the middle drove the net got a got a really high danger shot got his own rebound, like he's, he's created a whole bunch of commotion in front of the net, and then he didn't score. So there's a skill and intensity and somehow a lack of finishing. And I haven't, haven't been watching the AHL games too much, so it's hard to say. But if you look at his stats, I mean, he's at a 50-point pace, which, like you say, is not bad. But this is his second year in the, in the AHL, and there are eight players ahead of him on the Charlotte Checkers in points per game. So it, it's not like he's even at the top of the AHL team, which I mean, for a top prospect, that's where I would expect to see them, like, you know, in the top few scoring players of the team. And uh, he's still not there. So my sense is if he doesn't take a big step forward soon, he's going to risk really falling below the projections that a lot of people have had for him. If, if it was me in fantasy right now, I would say he still likely has some name value. And it might be wise to explore seeing what you could get back for him. Um, if you could get a comparable player, um, it might be more viable. I'm not sure he's going to really turn out to be a top line talent at this point.
0: All right. So trending down, would trending you down. Would you still rank him in the top five of Florida Panthers prospects, let alone third overall?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, um I think the thing about him is he he does seem to have so much skill like when you watch him play um I was watching sort of a compilation of a bunch of the goals that he scored last year in the AHL and they're mostly um like snipe shots from from high danger areas so he does he does bring a lot of intangibles to a team and I would tend to gamble on him more than other prospects that they have in the system just because he has the pedigree he clearly has the skill. And, you know, uh, the one, the one area he's shined in his career so far is, uh, in international tournaments. So I think he spent a lot of his junior career playing a little bit over his age group. Like he hit the KHL when he was, when he was only 19. And so his KHL production doesn't look good. And then he came to the AHL when he's pretty young and, and that's also a very high league. And so the fact that he hasn't done much yet, there could still be some wiggle room. Um, so I, yeah, I'd, I'd keep him in the top five, but All I'd be right. nervous.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never actually been as big a fan as, as some of the other prospect experts or scouty guys are mm-hmm. on him. I see the skill, but at the same time, you, you know, you want to see the consistency and you want to see the intensity and the compete level and the defensive responsibility. He'd be the most skilled player in the world, but if you don't compete hard and play good defensively, no coach in the NHL is going to play you. Um, you know, look at Josh Hosang. I think that's one of his challenges is, you know, he can be yeah, pretty, he can be pretty lazy sometimes, but you'd be hard pressed to find too many players that uh, they can match him and what he can do with the puck with his dangles and, and just how fluid of a skater he is. Um, so that's my third Gregory Dennis Number four, I have uh finish forward Alexi Heponiami so Heponiami was drafted in the second round of the 2017 draft, making him twenty three years old now. so you no know, clock's kind of ticking on this, and I don't think you'll find too many players that have more of a volatile stock level than than hepponiami has. i mean he, you know drafted yeah. as a second round, his stock was okay but not great. And then he has this monster season in his D plus one year where he has, you know, about two points a game, 118 points in 57 games with the Swift current Broncos in the, in the WHL, right. Goes to the world juniors with Finland looks good. There goes uh, to play pro the following season D plus two in the Liga with Karpat, has 46 points in 50 games, right. And has nine points in seven games in the world junior with Finland that year, like stock through the roof. We're talking top 10 first round uh, draft kind of talent here, right? Uh, Signs as ELC comes over to North America and plays 49 games in the 1920 season with Springfield and lays an egg, 14 points. Stock goes to the bottom, goes, plays, uh, starts the lockout season last year uh, on loan in hockey, Al Svenken with, with moto pointy game player there. All right, good. Comes back over to North America has six points in six games in the American hockey league, but only two points in nine games in the NHL. So kind of, all right, what, what, what do we got here? Is this a, is this a real talented player or, or not? And then this season, um, 24 games and 35, sorry, 24 points in 35 games so far in the American hockey league um so even less impressive than denisenko's stats so now we're trending back down in the in the opposite direction again um up down up down up down talk about a volatile asset would the real happen please stand up
1: yeah he's a, he has a bonkers development curve like talking about nhl equivalency nhle he went from a 51 to a 38 to a 40. 14. <laughs> and I think the 14 was that, that year you mentioned that he left Europe and came to the AHL. Um, I think with Hepo you have to talk about his size. You know, I know the NHL is shifting, is shifting towards, you know, you can be a smaller dynamic player. And I think he does have the skating and the, and the you know, the skill Um but his NHL profile still hasn't listed at five foot 10, but 155 pounds. So, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how recent that is, but that, that is light for the NHL. And, uh, I've read some observers who, who noticed that when he, when he did come over from Europe, from Europe and he ran into pro defenders in the AHL, he was getting pushed around and knocked off the puck and had a little bit less space to, to play his, his passing game. So I think that's, that's a concern, but he does slowly seem to be figuring it out at the pro level. Um, his stats this year are decent. You know he's third on the checkers, so he's looking a little bit better uh, than Sanko is to some to some extent. And uh, in only six games, AHL games last year, he was he had six assists. Um, but at the same time, he's 23 years old already, and how long is it going to take him? You know, um, he also red flags for fantasy. Um, he doesn't really shoot much. You know, I think that's something to consider when you're when you're stocking your fantasy team. He might have good points upside, but if he's if most of his points are assists, which has been the case for Heponeami, he's not going to be bringing shots. And I don't think Heponeami is the kind of player that's going to be bringing hits either. Whereas Denisenko, with that physical edge, I think he's more likely to to at least be a hit per game, for example. So he's not a major. Um, you're not losing out in that category rostering him, but I think. At, at, on one hand I'm excited about Heponyemi because I think he's totally fits the profile of a post hype sleeper. Um he was he was really hyped a couple years ago, a few years ago, and I think most people have moved on from him. So he's likely available for pretty cheap in your in your leagues, and um he's a decent stash. But um I'd be a little bit hesitant to roster him because of those those concerns.
0: Yeah, his height
1: doesn't concern me at all,
0: right? Like I don't Yeah, right. I- It's not that I don't care if you're how tall you are or how short you are because there is definitely advantages to being taller, right? You have longer reach and and whatnot, especially if you're a defenseman. But at his height, that's fine. You just need to be strong and smart enough to keep your head up and avoid uh, getting annihilated and strong enough that you can not be pushed over and, and protect the puck. Uh, and shield the puck using your, your strength. If you don't have the the raw size. Um, So I'm not worried about his height, but the fact that he's, he's less than 160 pounds is, is concerning, right? Like, I don't care how strong you are. If you're five foot, what is he? 5'10", 160 maybe if we're lucky. Mm, Yeah. That's, that's pretty frail for the, the NHL. And it's going to be hard for him to avoid injuries and, and be impactful. Uh, You're right. He's not much of a shooter. He's a, he's a playmaker. So if he's not shooting and generating offense that way, and he's not playing a physical grindy game, if he's not scoring, he's not doing anything. Right. So he's got to be an assist machine or it's an assist machine or nothing with this guy. Um, But the good news for him is he's got slick, slick hands, makes uh, super saucy sweet passes, and uh, and he's pretty smart too, right? Like he sees the ice and reads the play really well. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I do have him ranked fourth, but, you know, he's a volatile commodity. So selling him now, I, I guess you, it makes sense. Uh, you do run the risk that the stock goes back up and you might be selling you might be selling low, so it might, this might be a good buy low opportunity for him. Uh, and if you do buy him, he's 23 years old, so I don't think you'll have to wait long to see if you have bought wisely or not. Uh, okay, so that's my top four. Spencer Knight, Anton Londell, Grigory Denisenko, and Alexi Haponyami. Coming in at number five, and this is a guy who I probably want to have higher, um, Mackie Samuskevich. Florida Panthers first round pick from 2021, 24th overall, 5'11", 192. Um, so not a huge guy, but at least he's got some some weight. Uh, and this is a player that I really like. He's a, another highly skilled player. Came from the USHL, uh, Chicago Steel, one of the, the dominant team in the USHL. Point a game player there. He's in his freshman season in the NCAA at University of Michigan. Last time I looked, they were pretty good, have a deep roster, and he's got 24 points in 34 games there and uh, was named to the American World Junior roster. So I'm sure we'll see him back there in August when the tournament resumes. Uh, This is a player I really like. I think he's got a, a really good chance at being an impactful fantasy player when he makes it to the NHL. He's 19 years old. That could be... And, and a couple of years, still though,
1: your take, Ben? Yeah, um, just uh, just had a thought about the what you said there about the AHL. So and the timeline. The longer I've, I play fantasy and and play dynasty and keeper leagues, I've been slowly gravitating more to players who are in the AHL and and showing that they're they're doing well in the AHL, um, just because the timeline's shorter, you know. Um, so if you can see someone like Heponemi is doing like pretty well in the AHL versus uh he's doing pretty well in college I would probably lean more towards the AHL guy you know um yeah I mean I think one thing to take in to take into account here is that he's on that stacked Michigan team so uh his deployment is not going to be very favorable um so 24 points in 33 games uh I think a lot of other top prospects in in college are you know, more, more to like a point a game or over a point per game. So to me, it's a little bit disappointing to see that level of production, but I think that's the grain of salt. You have to take that with next year. I imagine Owen power, Brendan Brisson, Thomas Bordalo, maybe Matty Beniers are all going to move on to probably the AHL. And that's going to be really interesting to watch uh, what some uh, does with that. I think he'll have to take a big step forward next year and, I would I would want to see point per game from him um, to keep his trajectory looking good. Uh I know going into the world juniors, he was he made team USA and he was actually slated for the top line. Um so it was looking really good, but uh you know obviously it was canceled. So hopefully we see him, I think they got rescheduled to August, right? So mm-hmm. hopefully we see him um on team USA and and kind of get a better picture for of what he's capable of then.
0: All right, so that rounds out the top five. Just outside the top five, I go with my uh, yep first defenseman of the list, and that is Michael Benning. Right. So, you know, it's maybe a little concerning that we're outside of the top five and we get our first defenseman prospect, and this guy is a 2020 fourth-round pick. So, you know, a little lacking in, in draft pedigree um drafted in when i say 2020 yep so out of the ajhl so i think that was one strike against him on his draft profile the That's other fair. strike against him is he's undersized he's 5'9 175 um so he was probably even smaller and lighter than that when he was drafted a couple of years ago uh since his draft however he's uh in his sophomore season at the ncaa uh, last year, he was limited to just 21 games, no doubt because of COVID, 11 points. This season, however, uh, at University of Denver, pretty good program there. He's got 13 goals and 27 points in 32 games. So this is starting to look like an example of a draft size bias uh, where he was overlooked due to size, similar to, you know, Sam Girard or Alex Debrinket and so on and so forth. Um, but he's got NHL bloodlines, being a Benning, and uh, he always got a nice, quick first step. I like the fact that he can close space real quick, um, finds loose pucks, uh, changes his pace. I think that's a really uh, valuable asset to have. You can, you know, catch up with players, close gaps on them, create separation. Um, and obviously he's got some, some good offensive vision. His defensive game doesn't seem to be too big of a liability either. So this could look like, you know, uh, a good later round value pick by the Florida Panthers here. Uh, what's your take on Michael Benning?
1: Yeah, I think Florida really found a, a later round gem here um, possibly because of his, the height bias, as you say, I would, I would say he's Florida's highest upside um, prospect on the back end. Um, so he kind of makes sense here around six. Um, and I think he could, he could move higher. I think, like you say, the, the AJ HL is, it's a tricky league to read even for uh stat projection models. There just aren't the same, there isn't the same volume of players to come out of the AJ and have long careers to assess, you know, how likely that is for a player who can produce at a certain, at a certain level. So you know, in hockey prospecting he's got six percent star potential right now, which uh is not great, but I think part of that is related to to his junior leagues um, They have comparables for him as Vince Dunn and Nick Letty, which sounds about right, you know um that's a player that can that can put up forty plus points um and and run a power play and uh he's He's on a really strong team right now at the U of Denver. They've got Sean Sean Barens, who's a point per game as a defender. They've got Bobby Brink, uh Carter Savoy, a couple other players. Um and he he's doing he's doing really well. He's making Florida look good. He's uh second nationally uh in in goal scoring by defensemen behind Luke Hughes right now, which I was a bit surprised to see. Um, you know, Ma- Matthew Coronado, who the Flames took in last year's draft, he's he has as many goals as uh Michael Benning does. So, I mean, Matt, Matt Coronado went almost a goal per game in his draft year. So that's, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive what Benning's doing here. Um, And like you say, I don't think he's a liability uh, defensively. Um, He, I know he plays a lot on the penalty penalty kill for Denver. Um, He gets a lot of block shots for them and it seems like he comes up clutch for them in close games. So when, you know, when they're behind, uh, he'll, he'll help, he'll do what's necessary and kind of elevate his play to, to get them over the hump he was i think last last week he was named player of the week like defenseman of the week in in their college division
0: yeah and despite the fact that he's you know he's not a banger but and he's undersized kind of guy but he'll still he'll still play a physical game he'll initiate contact and he'll rub elbows with with guys that are bigger than him and and his board play is is good as as well so you know, not too many holes in his game. I think he just needs a little bit of of time, confidence, and seasoning. And when he turns pro, um, that'll be a, a really good indication of, you know, is is he a uh, is he a for real top four NHL caliber defenseman? I I think the potential right. for for top four is there. I mean, we're not saying he's going to be a franchise player here. He's the sixth ranked prospect on my list, but um, you know, I think they've if you can get a guy that's a top four pairing drafted in whatever round he was, the fourth. That's good, man. That's really Absolutely. good. Absolutely, Yeah. All right. So another defenseman uh, comes in my list at at number seven, and that is uh, John Ludvig. So he's 6'1", 214, drafted 2019 third round. Uh, so drafted in 2019 from the Portland Winterhawks, a season where he had uh, 18 points in 58 games and 77 penalty minutes. So drafted for his size and defensive game and physicality returns draft post one season to the WHL wears the C for Portland and puts up 17 goals and 62 points in 60 games. So all of a sudden he goes to a point a game player. Um, His penalty minutes come down a little bit, probably because he's just too valuable on the ice to be in, in the box for, for Portland. So his stock takes a big spike. Last season, he turns pro limited to just 13 games in the American hockey league, but he did score eight points in his 13 games, which is pretty good for a rookie defenseman Um, injury cut a season short and he hasn't played at all this year. So, you know, so far in in the last two years, he's played a total of 13 games. And that is a lot of lost development time for a player in his very early twenties. So that's a huge red flag there, but um you know, you draft a defenseman because he's he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he's mean, um, he skates really well for, you know, a player his size, which I hate that saying. And uh and then lo and behold, he develops an offensive upside to his game too. So you know, it just it, the file just keeps getting better for this guy. Um late late draft pick, third round, 69th overall uh are you concerned about the loss of time he has here how impressed are you with his his offensive um development albeit as a at 19 his fourth season in the ohl it's expected that you have your career year but he took such a huge jump um what's your fantasy value on john Ludvig?
1: yeah it seems like another um solid pick by Ludvig in the later rounds here or by florida sorry in the later rounds here and he's pretty intriguing. Like I can't help but but like this guy. Um, you know the the initial reading that they ha- that we had here at Dobra was that he was sort of a meat and potatoes kind of grinding defenseman. And then right after, in, like you say, in his draft one year, he he just um, showed that he has this offensive next offensive gear as well. And his first foray into the AHL was, was great. And now, unfortunately, he's just lost this whole year. So I think it's going to be hard to tell how it affects him until he gets back and starts seeing minutes again. Um, but I, I think he could be, he could come in and, and be, you know, a second pairing, third pairing defenseman with some upside. Um, and for fantasy, I think he could be a sneaky, strong multicat option because playing on Florida, this, this version of the Florida team, he's going to have good plus minus. I think this is a player that's going to bring hits and blocks to the table. And then if he somehow gets some, some power play time, he could, he could provide some offense too. Um, so he seems like one of these all situations defenders uh, that, that coaches really love to play. I know he ended up in the top four for the Checkers pretty quickly. And one thing to keep in mind for the Checkers and, and Florida's AHL prospects in general is that they've, they've been sharing teams. So last year they, they shared an affiliate with the Lightning and this year they're sharing their affiliate with Seattle. So I don't super know the situation there, but it seems a little unfortunate because, you know, you have all of Seattle's prospects playing on the same team and they're all jockeying for ice time. Um, hopefully next year, Seattle gets their own team in Florida can have its own AHL affiliate because um, I imagine people get more op- like uh, opportunity that way.
0: Yeah, uh, sharing an affiliated team is, is always a concern. Last year it was due to pandemic reasons. This year it's just because, um, Seattle doesn't have a home for, for their franchise really? yet. Uh, but that'll be starting in next season. So their rink will be ready to go for next season. So yeah. And it's not so bad right now for, um, for the Florida's team there. And I think they're in Charlotte, um, mm-hmm. because Seattle just doesn't have that many prospects.
1: Yeah, they really don't. <laughs> right.
0: They, they've had one draft. So those guys are, for the most part, all still in junior. Um, and so they've signed a few free agents. That's about it though, man. Like I, I'm working on their top 10 right now for NHLRumor.com and um, it's lean. It's very lean. Yeah, it's grim. <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah so i think you're right on though about ludwig if you're in a in a really deep league that is uh, a head-to-head that has the you know the rotisserie stat style he likes to shoot he's got a hard shot so he'll generate some offense for you that way uh he's big and he's a little bit physical so he'll definitely get you some penalty minutes he'll definitely throw some hits and because he's not going to be a top pairing defenseman He's going to have to block shots too. So he's going to check a whole bunch of stat columns for you there. He's not going to win you many face-offs. But other than that, he should be pretty good. So number eight on my list now. I'm going back up front uh, forward and taking 2020 third round selection, 74th overall center, Ty Smolonek. Uh, six foot one so he's not too short but he's definitely slight at 174 but despite that he plays he plays a pretty uh a pretty aggressive game I mean he's not physical in the sense that he racks up the penalty minutes he takes a few but he's just got a motor and a hard hard Charlie Hustle style compete level and I really like that he's a sophomore in the NCAA right now with Quinipiac. last year was his freshman season, of course, 21 points in 29 games and 21 points in 36 games this year. And he was a American world junior uh, roster player as well. Didn't play in the one game that they played. So I guess he's a bubble player. We'll see where he slots in with the world junior roster uh, in, in August when they resume again. And that'll be fun. Um, so this is a player that I think has a good chance to play in the NHL because I think he will be someone that the coaches will trust, but I don't see him having a very high offensive upside, uh, looking at him as a, as a ceiling, as a third line player. Um, but with the offensive upside enough that he could be slotted up for short stints due to injury or cold streaks or whatever. Um, as a, as a substitute top six in small sample sizes for a short term, uh, that's my take on, on Ty, where do you see him in their depth chart?
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds right. Um, hockey prospecting has comparables for him, Victor Rask, Kasperi Kapanen, Mason Raymond. Um, and I would imagine he's a little bit closer to the Victor Rask side of things than the Mason Raymond but um yeah like you know uh third line guy that that can move up when necessary um specifically smlanic has been known for his goal scoring um, and uh yeah he, he it's encouraging sign that he made team usa i mean there's a, they have a lot of options and he made the cut um, apparently he was injured by uh in a pre-tournament game by uh, red savage so that's unfortunate i mean the tournament ended up being canceled but would have been interesting to see what he did with that i i got a little bit denisenko vibes when i was looking at into his stats for this um because he's slumping this year you know he had 21 and 21 points in 29 games last year for the same team and now he has 21 points in in an extra seven games and that's sixth on the team so especially for fantasy unless you're in super deep leagues i love to see prospects that are you know getting a a decent percentage of their teams like uh team's I'm thinking about um, like Luke Evangelista in, in, uh I think London in the OHL right now, he's, he's almost two points per game and he's scoring like 45% of the team's points. So that shows to me, he's got the team on his back and, and he's really able to carry it by himself. But Smolanovic being six on the team in points means he's not really that top line talented leader, even, even in the second year of college. So it is a little concerning in terms of uh, looking at his upside, but I agree. I think he's going to make the NHL. I think he's going to be a useful player. Um, One highlight that I saw from him this year is a little bit like that famous Ovechkin goal from Ovechkin's rookie year. He, uh, he gets knocked down by a defender and he's kind of, he's almost falling down and he just managed to poke it through the goalie. So it's a, it's a really cool uh, goal. If you can check it out on Twitter, but you know, he's, he's got some spunk.
0: Yeah, that Ovechkin goal. I know the one you're talking about where he's he's on yeah. his backside and he like reaches around behind him and, and tucked it in. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Never say die. Um. All right. So that is number eight. Rounding out my top 10 almost here. We are going number nine. I'm going back to the blue line with Max Gilden. So this is a player who's got way more NHL value than fantasy value. Big defenseman, six foot three, ninety four from Texas drafted in the third round of 17 draft, um, playing and played NCAA for three seasons, uh, had some pretty good offensive points there, uh, 23 and 36 in his first season, 21 and 31 as a sophomore only played three seasons in his junior season. He was almost a point a game player, 29 points in 34 last year. Um, He was loaned to Bakersfield because uh, Florida's team didn't play, uh, but he had 19 points in 32 games there. This season, the offense has dropped out, bottomed out five points in 22 games, one goal, four assists. So he's... A physical defenseman, and I think he's going to be a defensive defenseman. I think he's going to play in the NHL, um, but I don't think he's going to score you a, a lot of points when he gets there, I, but he will give you a lot of hits and blocks. Um, do you think I'm underestimating his, his offensive
1: upside? No, like, uh, again, when I took over the team for Dauber, I I was thinking about Max Gilden as the top defensive pro- prospect, but it it seems like, at the NHL level, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a lower offensive ceiling than Ludwig, let alone Benning. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems it's very concerning to see his, his production down the way it is. It, it makes me wonder what's, what's going on with him. Um, he definitely seems to be regressing, um, especially as a defenseman known as at junior levels for his offense um, for, as a college junior, for example, he was close to a point per game and he had a, a decent rookie season as well. so, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him. Um They've been very patient with him. Like, uh yeah, he's what, 22, 23 years old. So it'd be good to see him push to make a jump pretty soon. Otherwise I wouldn't be surprised if he starts getting passed, you know, passed up on the depth chart by Benning and um Ludwig and, and maybe others.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the offensive potential is there, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's upside that you know that suggests that it's that it's mm. coming. I I'm not convinced that he'll be an offensive contributor at the NHL. But I think he's got a very good chance of playing in the NHL because as as a shutdown defenseman, because his skating is is good, but not great. It's not a liability, right? And he's got the size and to make the nice outlet passes. Uh it's so he can just, initiate transition maybe not lead the rush or run a power play but um but that's okay right i think he's good enough to play in the nhl um we'll see if he makes it or not and then rounding out my top 10 is a super a super hot take here i think you levy mm. right mm. so is oli levy a bust vancouver fans will say yeah <laughs> Duh. Uh, so he's a first-round draft pick, selected fifth overall by the Vancouver Canucks. So a lot of draft pedigree was, as spent, capital was spent on Ole Levy. And if you're looking at expectations for him as a fifth overall draft pick, yes, he's absolutely a bust. However, I would argue that he still has. If, if you eliminate where he was drafted, take that out of the equation. Say he was signed as a free agent or drafted in the fifth round okay, yeah, let's talk about this guy. I think he's uh, definitely a talented player. He can skate well and he can create transition. Uh, he can carry the puck up the ice. He can run a power play. Um, he's just, you know, he's got some some flaws in his game to be sure. Um, but if you just take away where the value of what your expectations are for where he was drafted and then just look at, the skill sets that he brings to the game. I'm not saying that he's going to be a number one or two pairing defenseman. I'm saying he's going to be a bottom pairing defenseman with a, with an NHL career, albeit a short one, like he's not going to play in his, in his forties. But I think you, I think you can get some, you can milk some value out of this asset. If you're the Florida Panthers, I believe Uh, have you given up all hope on you levy, or do you think that the Florida Panthers can get something out of this?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm I'm closer to having given up all hope on him. Um although I, I like the move. Like it was a bit of a I think of it as a bit of a Chicago move by Florida acquiring him as in, you know, they got they got Borgstrom, they got Nylander. Um they've taken on so these sort of like post-hype uh high, high pedigree picks that haven't seemed to be panning out. And and why not? I mean, he was very cheap to acquire. Um of course, he was taken ahead of, you know, Matthew Kachuk, Keller, Sergachev, Charlie McAvoy, Jacob Chikrin. So it's never going to look good. But um, like you say, they, they didn't they didn't have to give up much to get him. Uh, so far this year, he, got, he was injured in late January. And since he returned, he's been healthy scratched. Um, he played 12 minutes the other night in the loss to Columbus. But no points in 10 games. He's playing a sheltered role. <clears throat> he's not really getting like totally blown up in terms of play driving, but uh, he's not driving play either. So I think best case for Yulovi would be um, like looking at his past production in the OHL and whatnot, maybe a, a shot and a hit per game and pushing 40 points. Um, I think 40 points would probably be like the absolute upside. And I, I wouldn't bet on him reaching it, but um if that would be rosterable in your league then you know could go for it but I, I would say he's not even probably other players would be more worth your time
0: yeah don't get me wrong i'm not uh i'm not advocating that you run out and try and acquire you'll have you at as high right. low as a guy that's gonna make an impact on your fantasy team um i'm just saying i don't I'm not convinced that he's a flat out 100% bust, and he's he's not going to play more than four more games in his, in his entire career in the NHL. Um, I think he's got some work cut out for him to to crack the roster. But you've seen this, we've seen this show before for some players where they get a change of scenery, and he's he's got that now in in Florida this season. Um, hasn't been given much of a chance here yet. Uh, there was an injury there, so you know that that's and it's a tough roster to crack too, right? Like they're a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup contender, so he's got his work cut out for him to crack the roster. But if circumstances break correctly for him and he gets an opportunity, I'm saying I I have not given up on on the file. I I, I don't think there's a huge upside there, but I'm not saying it's a total piece of garbage
1: either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's it's just important to remember that the Panthers are they're all in right now. Like, you know, would they consider moving night for Chikrin? Like, possibly, because they're, they're trying to go all in. I think on a different team, you'd probably see Denisenko getting a longer look. Um, Tippett Owen Tippett just got sent down. Um, and, and these are high-pedigree players, and they're, they're not getting the opportunity with this team. So Yolovi might be falling into that category, too.
0: All right, so that rounds out my top ten: Spencer Knight, Anton Lundell, Grigory Denisenko, Alexi Heppeneyemi, Macky Sanskevich, Michael Benning, John Ludwig, Ty Smelanic, Max Gilden, and last but not least, Olya Levy. Uh, overall, Ben, you like my my rankings? Is there a player there you think uh, I, I think maybe you could you could swap in and out for? Maybe minus Levy and add someone else?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Logan Hutsko. Um, he was a third round pick back in 2018. He's had a lot of injury problems in his, in his short career, but, um, he's one of the, one of the leading scorers on their AHL team. He made a big impression in training camp, uh, back in September. Um, and I'm curious to see what he can do. I I have, I have a feeling like he's going to make the team probably next year. Um, and there might be some upside there. Right. Another player I gave some, he's a player I gave real, real
0: strong consideration to for the top 10. Um, The next guy that was probably as close to making it would be Justin Sardif um, Hmm. playing with the Edmonton oil Kings. Now I believe he was a a, a trade acquisition by them. And, and, you know, he's having a monster season in, uh, in the WHL and what's probably his final season of junior uh, he's had a really nice steady development curve, getting better and better and better. He's a little undersized, but he plays a power game. And uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what he does when he turns pro. Uh, Alexi Sorella is another player that was was close on my list, former Carolina Hurricanes prospect. So very familiar with Charlotte. Um, he's bounced through a couple organizations, um, but he's had a pretty solid career so far. He's, he's 24 years old. So he's getting a little bit old for prospect consideration um one more year to go basically before he ages out of
1: my rankings
0: what's your take on those two guys
1: yeah i think Sordif um was gonna be interesting to watch again at the world juniors um so maybe we'll we'll get to see what he does in august but i I think he was going to be part of like this uh pretty physical checking third line for canada um in the projections so i imagine that's how he would slot in eventually with the panthers is uh like a really solid checking forward. Um, so that that's valuable in certain ways for fantasy, you know, um, especially in multi-cat. Um, his offense is solid at the WHL level, but um, this is what his third year in the, no, fourth year in the WHL. So in terms of pure upside, I would, I would hope to see a little bit more. Um, he's 21 games and 21 points in 15 games for the Oil Kings. Um, solid, but yeah, I wonder if, um, for fantasy, he'll more be like a multi-cat asset um, when he makes the jump. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. Who was the other one? Uh, Alexi Sorella. Oh yeah, Alexi Sorella. Um, yeah, he he's been looking so good. He's one of these players that um, sometimes you see the stats of some of the players in the, in the in the AHL, and it's not really clear why they're not making the jump. I, I imagine he decided to sign in Europe because he saw kind of like the log jam that Florida has going on and he wanted to get some playing time. Um, it's just not clear at this moment whether he's going to come back to North America. Is he going to sign with a different team? I think his stocks would go up if he were to sign elsewhere, um, just in terms of opportunity. But I think he, he would be a really intriguing player to keep your eye on, um, especially for fantasy, like scoring. I think he could come in and and be a surprising, surprisingly successful in the NHL, especially if he signed elsewhere.
0: Yeah, another guy I really think has uh, some maybe a good sleeper under the radar value that's not getting a lot of buzz is um, Matt Kirstedt. 23-year-old defenseman, uh, undrafted, signed as a college free agent. Played four seasons at North Dakota, so you know knows how to win. Wore the A for his final two seasons there. Was pretty much a point a game player for his um, junior senior seasons, and this is his first full season as a pro. And he's made his NHL debut already. He's got two points in eight games. Uh, with Florida and obviously 42 games in the AHL with 15 points there. So looks like he's transitioned really nicely um, to pro hockey and it, he could be in short order, a player who is, is on the roster in Florida. And uh, you know, like I said, he played four seasons of college, so he's already 23 years old. So you know what you got there. And he's only 3% owned on fan tracks. So there's a lot of ownership availability for him. Six one one eighty um, doesn't doesn't shy away from the physical game, but he's not a he's not a banger. But um, you know, in, in 42 games, he's got 34 penalty minutes in the American Hockey League this year, and he had seasons of of 50 in NCAA. So not shy that way. Um, do you have much of a, a scouting file on Matt Kirsten?
1: Yeah, no, I'm not that familiar with him yet, but uh he, he does have a feel like a lot of these Panthers prospects where they're not the they're not the shiniest player, perhaps, but um they really do have some solid depth coming up the pipeline. So, you know, you have the higher the higher um upside prospects at the top that are already starting to fit into the top six, like Lundell. You have Denisenko, Tippett still in the system, and these are players that can can be providing the offense. Um and then I think they're gonna get a lot of depth at a lot of these players like, you know, um Kirstad stepping in and and Benning and, and Ludwig.
0: Yeah. And the fact that, you know, we we're convinced that two of the top four prospects on my list here are guys that are questionable, if not flat out trending down and Denisenko and Haponiemi, right? So mm-hmm. Uh, well, Florida's got a pretty young roster, and they've got some some recent graduates up there, um, so it's it's a hard roster to crack, but it's not necessarily an impossible prospect depth chart to move up the rankings in. And uh, yeah. you know, it, it gives Florida some trade chip options as well if if they're looking at doing anything at the trade deadline this year.
1: I think Owen Tippett is an interesting one too. Like, I wonder if they'll be considering dangling him, um, given that he was just sent down to the AHL now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he, again, is a, you know, he's a, a former, um, I think he was a first rounder. Um, he's only 23 years old. He just hasn't really seemed to, to light it up yet. He reminds me a little bit of Ellie Tovenen over in Nashville. Um, you know, they're about a hundred games into their NHL career. They were renowned for their goal scoring in, in junior. Um, I think, especially in the OHL Tippett, Tippett had some really good runs with goal scoring but he's not really lighting it up yet. And he's more of a, a peripheral guy for fantasy so far, like uh, 1.7 shots and, and one and a half hits a game so far in 12 and a half minutes. But um, yeah, I wonder if they might consider moving someone like Tippett to to bring back someone who'd help more now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like I said uh, earlier, they're they're tinkering with their roster now, signing some, some free agent prospects, but Terry Lindbaum is a player that they've, They've signed as a free agent. He had uh, a little bit of an NHL career previously. Let me just bring him up. But he became relevant again playing in the Olympics uh, with Finland, helping them win the gold medal, Uh, playing in the KHL this season. um, He's had cups of coffee in the NHL with uh, St. Louis, uh and then playing in the American Hockey League with Chicago so you know he's been over here before left to go play in in um Switzerland and, and this year he's in was in the KHL but that season's over now and yokerit um withdrew from the KHL with what's going on in and in, right. um, in the war there right uh so it'd be interesting to see if he um if he plays for, for Florida uh, later on in the season in the playoffs, not a lot of fantasy value on this file. Um, he's a defensive defenseman um, who at best will get you some block shots. And the other free agent they signed is a junior goalie, Mac Guzda, um, overage goalie in the, in the OHL uh, having a pretty good season there. And there was a lot of um, free agent interest in buzz in this player uh, I think his name even came up on the 32 pots po- uh, thoughts podcast uh, before he was, or when he was signed as well. Um, so yeah, that's interesting,
1: right? It gives them another, another goalie option in the system as well. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they, the Panthers seem to be really skilled at developing these players that um, get overlooked by other teams, you know, like 26 year olds that all of a sudden turn into top line talents. <laughs> so um Who's who's to say what what comes next? I think um, Guzda is interesting because if Knight uh, keeps playing down at the AHL for a little bit, um, I'm not sure Jonas Johansson is going to cut it in the backup role. So there's a little bit of an opening there, especially for a contender.
0: You got to think that when the playoff time comes, that Spencer Knight's going to be if if he's not the backup goalie, he'll be a black ace, so Like right? Like he's gotta mm, be. Yeah, for sure. And that if something happens with, um, with Bob, that that night would just leapfrog and go right into the starting
1: position for sure. Yeah. Goalies explode all the time. So you never know.
0: Yeah. I'd have to think so. And as a fantasy owner of Spencer Knight, I'm really hoping that he wins that job sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. That's a long contract he's battling there. <laughs> yes it is, but he can do it. Uh, I'm confident. Yeah. All right. Anyone so can. yeah. Ben Geralds, thanks very much for uh, joining me on the podcast. The journey writer on Dauber Hockey, the prospect coverage for both the teams in Florida, the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. Follow Ben on Twitter at BGare, at B-E-G-A-R-E. And you can follow his other Twitter handle at Ferengi Hockey. Tell me a little bit about that, man
1: yeah so I mean, I wanted to get into into writing about fantasy in this whole world, and uh didn't didn't really know where to start and uh just had a crazy idea to apply the Ferengi rules of acquisition to fantasy hockey because they're not that far removed as as absurd as it sounds uh fantasy hockey owners have to be pretty ruthless um you know you try and find any little edge you can to to sneak good assets away from competitors. <laughs> And so it's kind of funny, um, you know, looking through all the crazy rules of acquisition, um, and then applying them to things that, you know, insights that that I'm seeing. Are you a Star Trek fan yourself? I was just gonna say for
0: anyone that's listening to this show that's that's not a <laughs> not a nerd, that's that's totally a Star Trek reference. And uh, yeah, I totally get it. I'm, I'm a I'm yeah. a nerd big time. Star Trek, Star Wars, sign me up
1: for both. I'm in. Yeah, the Frankies are all just about commerce and you know acquiring wealth, and uh, I think that's exactly the same with fantasy owners.
0: <laughs> it's it's a bridge I would have never I would have never connected, but uh, but I gotta say I really like it. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks
1: right. so much for having me. It's a uh, it's a pleasure.
0: Uh, it's been my pleasure, man. I'll have to get you back on when we uh, when we work my way through the alphabet and get down to the Tampa Bay Lightning, which will probably be sometime this summer at the rate I'm going. that sounds good all right thanks very much for for listening everyone if you enjoy the show uh throw me a bone give me a give me a review maybe uh share the the episode on social media uh give me a five-star review tell me what you want to hear on the shows uh tell me what you don't like make fun of me about how many times i say uh or um and uh so on and so forth. All right, that's it for this episode. We'll be coming up next with the Los Angeles Kings Top Prospects. Till then, keep your stick on the ice.